We read in Holy Scripture this morning, Psalm 51. Psalm 51. To the chief musician, the Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. The verse that we consider this morning is the first verse. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, Psalm 51 is one of two psalms known as penitential psalms great penitential psalms, a better name for them really is psalms of repentance. 
psalms of repentance because that is exactly what they are. They are both psalms of the repentant sinner and really prayers of the repentant sinner. That's one reason they are significant and important is because they teach us what repentance looks like. They teach us what repentance consists of. How the repentant sinner feels in his heart. What his attitude is. And how he or she behaves and especially and most importantly before God. From this psalm, Psalm 51, as a penitential or we might say a psalm of repentance, we learn that repentance consists of two fundamental elements without which there is no repentance. The sinner is simply a sinner, not a repentant sinner. And the first is it consists of confession that the sinner is a great sinner. That's why the heading of the psalm is there. That heading teaches us that the occasion for this particular psalm was the sin of adultery on the part of David and also the subsequent murder of her husband and faithful servant of David, Uriah the Hittite. But that's not stated specifically in the psalm because both the psalmist and we, by the Spirit, are to understand that this is the prayer that we all make and must make with regard to a multitude of sins. That David, when he made this prayer, made this prayer concerning every sin subsequent to that sin of his and everything related to it. He made it with regard to all his sins. Secondly, secondly, Repentance and the prayer of repentance always begins with a plea for mercy. This is really the main theme even of this psalm. The whole psalm, every request, everything that is mentioned is based upon and is actually a prayer for God's Mercy, exactly because the repentant sinner is confessing his sin before God, what must follow and what must be a part of that is that number one, the sinner recognizes that there is no basis or ground for him to pray to God for anything except God's mercy. God must show mercy even for him to hear this prayer. And secondly, it's an acknowledgement that he needs God's mercy in order to live at peace and joy with God. Apart from God's mercy, he is alienated from God 
and can only live in anxiety, despair, and trouble. The psalm, therefore, is a model prayer and intended to be a model prayer of all repentant sinners. That, too, is pointed out in the heading. For we read not only about the occasion and that this was a psalm of David, but it was a psalm to the chief musician. David, long before he wrote this psalm, lived with these words in his soul, had made this prayer to God perhaps many times, and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned it, and then gave it to the chief musician so that it might be sung by all the people of God. Indeed, might become a very anthem in Israel and therefore is preserved also today that it might be our song and therefore also our prayer as repentant sinners. This psalm, this prayer, this verse, therefore, is also very fitting for the occasion of the Lord's Supper. For here in the Lord's Supper, we have by sign and seal the very mercy of God. Here by sign and seal, we have the very request made on the basis of that mercy that God blot out our transgressions. And this, therefore, is also our prayer as we appear before the Lord to partake of His mercy. Consider with me this psalm, this particular verse that introduces this psalm under the theme, the repentant sinner's prayer. We notice the request, the ground, and then the answer. Psalm 51 and the prayer that it is, is a request for one thing. Even the children here who read the psalm will notice there are many requests for many different things, but the fact is they are all related, they are all united, and there really is one request that's being made in the psalm, and that's set forth in the very opening words, have mercy upon us, upon me, O God. Everything else that follows, everything else that the psalm contains, may simply be replaced with that word, mercy, have mercy upon me. Now mercy is the great biblical word for God's gracious favor. It is a request, therefore, to God that He be graciously inclined, that in His grace He bow down and show favor to one who does not deserve that favor or anything of God. Mercy is always the first and the primary request and prayer of every repentant sinner. Every repentant sinner 
who comes before God in prayer will have as their first and primary request, have mercy upon me, O God. David, in this psalm, this model psalm by the inspiration of Spirit, is not concerned with himself. He's not concerned with everyone else. He's not concerned with everyone else and their sins. His concern is not all the sins of those who gossiped about him and his sin. His concern before God isn't how they're treating them, how they're dealing with him, how they think about him. It's not even that there are other sinners in Israel who have done awful things, perhaps even worse things than he has done. His prayer is about himself and his sins, but only secondarily. His first and primary concern is God and the mercy of God. And notice then that also then David is not concerned first and primarily with what God will do for him. His concern isn't that God will fix all the wrongs that David has done. His concern isn't that God stop all the gossip about himself. His concern is that God not treat him the way that he has been. His concern isn't that God take away all the painful chastisements that he has brought upon David because of his stubborn refusal to acknowledge his sin. His concern isn't that God take away his shame, that God even correct all his faults. His concern is that God be something toward him. His concern is with God's attitude and God's heart with regard to him. Have mercy. That is, have an attitude. Have in your heart mercy toward me. That is his first and primary concern. David's primary concern is that God be gracious and merciful to him because he understands that that's necessary for everything else. That unless God show mercy, there is nothing else good that can come to him. That unless God have mercy upon him, then God is against him. Then God will destroy him. Then even if God would give him the world and all the riches of the world, it would all be vanity. It would all be worthless. He understands that what he must have is that God be favorably inclined. Favorably inclined to help him. To look upon him in grace and in kindness. And that's his first and primary concern because he understands that he has forfeited every right for God to deal with him otherwise. He has forfeited the right by his sin to have God as his friend, for God to bless him, for God to keep him, for God's face to shine upon him. He has lost the right even to come before God and say one single word. That first and foremost. 
Now that's very general. Have mercy upon me, O God. The repentant sinner will not leave it there, but will ask for a particular form of that mercy. And it's really underlying the plea for mercy itself. The specific form of mercy that David prays for here is that God deliver him by blotting out my transgressions. That too is basic to this prayer. Basic to repentance and basic to any prayer of repentance is the acknowledgement that one is a sinner and those sins are transgressions. Without that knowledge, without that understanding, there can be no sense that one needs mercy. There is no sense that one has lost the right to appear before God for God to do anything good unto Him. Without that understanding, there is no prayer of mercy and there is no restoration with God on the basis of that mercy. And basic to that understanding and knowledge of the repentant sinner is that my sins especially are transgressions. Oh yes, they're sins. And the sinner must know what that means. But notice that of all the words that are used in this psalm for sins, and there are many, he begins with transgressions. Even as he begins with mercy, he begins with the acknowledgement that my sins are transgressions. That is, they are willful and deliberate rebellion against the will of God. To acknowledge that one's sins are transgressions is to admit that what I have done is not simply wrong according to some law, which it is, but that law is the will of God. It is the will of God for the sinner. And not only did the sinner transgress that law, violate that law, but did so willfully and deliberately. It is the acknowledgement of this, that knowing full well what the will of God is for me and for my life, I rebelliously and wickedly and defiant to God said, I will do the exact opposite. Now that's quite different. Quite different from the attitude of the psalmist when he was not repentant. When he was hiding his sins and keeping them from God. Then he supposed that his sins could be excused, could be justified would say to himself, my sins are due to a moment of passion. I simply stumbled and fell. I couldn't help it. That's the way it is. This is what we all do. Besides that, there are others who have done the same. My sin did not hurt and harm. It wasn't my fault. It certainly wasn't deliberate and purposeful, nor was it really, truly hatred. Deep, deep hatred. 
of God and His will. Repentant sinner understands his sins are transgressions, not simply as against the will of God, but against the covenant of God. That too comes out in this psalm when later on he's going to acknowledge against thee and thee only have I sinned. When David says that, he knows full well that he sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah. He sinned against the nation of Israel. He sinned against his office. He sinned against many, many who would use David's sin as an excuse for their own sin. But his concern, his primary concern, is that I've sinned against God. And I have sinned against God, especially against the grace of God in His covenant. What comes out in this psalm is that when David is pleading for mercy and that God blot out his transgressions, is that what he has transgressed is God's own very mercy. A mercy shown to him not for the first time when he prays, but a mercy shown to him and the nation of Israel in the covenant. That God had shown mercy to His people, His undeserved favor and kindness to them time and time again by reiterating His covenant, reiterating His covenant mercies, by showing good unto them, by bringing them to this land of milk and honey, by placing David on the throne. He's going to bring up in this psalm the good, the mercy good that God had done by building the walls of Zion, placing his tabernacle there, and visiting his people time and time again. And David sees that when he sinned, he sinned against all that grace. That's a transgression. That accounts for the fact that he's going on to pray for a multitude of thy tender mercies. The repentant sinner acknowledges and understands not simply that I have done this sin or that sin, but when I examine that sin in the light of the Word of God, when I examine that sin in the light of God's mercies especially, how horrible, how extensive it really is. It's sin upon sin, and I've sinned against all the mercy of God time and time again. This mercy that flows out of God toward us, I've shown hatred toward it all. And so I must plead on the basis of the multitude of God's mercies, therefore, also. And now you understand why the specific act of mercy that he pleads for is that God blot out those transgressions. That is, he pray, prays that God remove them from his memory, that God remove them from his conscience, that God remove them in his sight when dealing with him, that God not deal with him according to those sins, but according to His mercies. To blot out transgressions is to scrub them away as one might scrub a dirty stain. Expressed later on when David speaks about God making him as white as snow. It's a prayer that God obliterate those sins from His sight and memory and His remembrance, but also with regard to Himself. That even with regard to himself, when he comes before God, oh yes, he remembers he is a sinner. Oh yes, he acknowledges that before his face. 
but not so that he stays away and flees from God, but rather understanding the mercy of God, he comes to God with those sins, acknowledging that he is a sinner, asking God to blot them out with that regard also. But notice again, his primary concern is with God. His primary concern isn't blot these sins out with regard to everyone else so that I don't feel so ashamed when I'm in their presence or when I come to church. Blot them out of my memory and their memory so that we can get along and we can be friends and we can live together. But blot them out in Thy sight. Blot them out in Thy remembrance. And why? Again, because without that, nothing else matters. And if one knows and one understands that God has blotted out those transgressions with regard to his own memory, his own conscience, and his own dealing with the sinner, then nothing else matters. Then even if all the church would deal with that sinner terribly and horribly without any mercy at all, it wouldn't matter. Because God has shown me mercy. God has blotted out my transgressions. And then too, it's a prayer that God blot out those transgressions in this sense so that the punishment that is due for them is gone. Blot them out so that when God remembers what ought to be done to sin and sinners, what God must do to sin and sinners is taken away. That God, as it were, when He looks at that sin and sees that sin and even remembers that sin, God also remembers and sees There is no punishment. There is no judgment due for that sin. And then also this, that God so blot them out in my own memory and my own conscience that I don't spend my life trying to bring God sacrifices. Try to bring God my good works. Try to bring God my own acts of worship even as an attempt to pay for my sins or blot out the punishment that is due for them. That's there too. That God so blot out my transgressions that I feel no need whatsoever in my life to pay for them. Now, the request I said is for mercy. But interestingly, if you look at the text closely, you will notice that the ground for that request is also the mercy of God. If you look at it carefully, not only does the psalmist plead God's mercy, but when he comes to making that request and the basis for that request, now why would God show me mercy? The only answer can be on the basis of God's own mercy. Whenever the repentant sinner comes before God and he pleads God show him mercy, the only basis for that can be the very mercy of God. Now, David expresses it this way, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies and according to thy loving kindness. The words according to show that the psalmist there is giving the ground for his request that God show mercy. But notice, therefore, what the ground is not. And that comes out in the psalm many, many times, that the ground is not his own repentance. 
When David makes this prayer to God, to God to blot out his transgressions and show mercy unto him, the ground is not while I'm repentant. See, Lord, my sorrow. Grant these things that I ask, Lord, because I know I'm a sinner. Because I have acknowledged my sin. Because I recognize that that sin is a transgression. Because I see how my sin has wounded and hurt others. Because I see what it has done to Thy honor and glory. Deal mercifully with me, O Lord, because that is what I've done. That is who I am. And the repentant sinner knows that. The repentant sinner knows that very well. That the request to be God, to be favorable, to show mercy, whether it be for adultery or murder, or whether it be for gossip and coveting, is never that I've made myself worthy because I've in the past week examined myself and I've noticed all my sins and I've recognized them and I've confessed them. It can only be the mercy of God. Otherwise, it's not mercy. A plea for mercy, a prayer for mercy can only be based upon mercy because that's what mercy is. It is God's favor, an attitude of favor, and to be sweetly inclined for someone who does not deserve it at all. And if one does not deserve it at all, then there's nothing in himself that one can plead. One cannot even plead, well, I recognize what I need is mercy. There is nothing to plead. There's no basis for any request, any coming before God other than show mercy. Show mercy according to thy mercy, because thou art a merciful God. Be merciful unto me. And again, if one doubts that, simply read the psalm. You cannot have this psalm. You cannot have this request. You cannot have this prayer unless there is repentance. Only the repentant sinner acknowledges and understands these things. Only the repentant sinner will ever come to God and make that one primary request for mercy. But it's never because or based upon his own repentance. It can only be the mercy of God. That must be our attitude even this morning as we come to God in the supper, and we plea His mercy on the basis of His mercy because He is a merciful God and nothing else, period. Now as I said, the psalmist expresses that ground two different ways, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies and according to thy loving kindness. Now that teaches us something. That teaches us that even... Even God's mercy has something underlying it. That behind God's mercy is actually His faithful covenant love. That's the word there even for loving kindness and tender mercies. The idea there is God's covenant love and faithfulness. You see, God's deep pity and compassion arises out of His own love an everlasting and eternal love. Besides that, that's what explains why God shows mercy and what gives mercy. It's what He calls tenderness or kindness. In other words, why is mercy what it is? Why does it take the expression that it does? And the answer is because of God's own covenant love. 
You can learn things about mercy from a psalm like this. You learn that true love always expresses itself by showing mercy. In one way or another, true love is always merciful. And mercy, therefore, always expresses tenderness and kindness towards someone, especially in need. Not just those that deserve it, but those who are needy for whatever reason. And expresses itself by giving to that person exactly what they need. Doesn't just talk. Doesn't just say. It gives the needy what they need. And that emphasizes that repentance and prayer due to the mercy and love of God is also why it is the way it is. Nothing in me. I deserve nothing. And I do nothing. I show mercy because of God's mercy. And God shows me mercy because of eternal loving kindness toward me. And that's the only explanation. End of story. Now that's important because only then will the repentant sinner have his answer. We don't have the answer here as such, but yet it is clearly implied in the prayer itself. And we know this too from our own experience. When you come before God, perhaps acknowledging somewhat of your sin, when you come to God and ask Him for many things, when you come to God many other ways, except asking for God's mercy on the basis of His mercy, one goes away doubting, wondering whether God will hear him, perhaps even goes away with the exact opposite feeling, which is God still angry with me. My sins are not blotted out. Perhaps I shall do this or that to take away God's anger. All the wrong responses. But when one pleads God's mercy on the basis of His mercy and His loving kindness and tender mercies, then one goes away assured that God grants that request. In fact, even has a sense that God has granted that request before one even makes it. That answer, of course, is always the amazing work of God actually blotting out our sin. When one goes away, one goes away with their sins blotted out, they go away exactly forgetting their sin. Forgetting what's due for their sin. Remembering no more that sin. Remembering instead that God in His mercy has blotted out that sin. And God has blotted out that sin, of course, in the only way He ever blots out sin. And thus, this is the answer that God has always given to every one of these prayers, every single time from the beginning of history. God's answer is, I will and I have shown mercy. I've shown mercy by taking what you deserve, by taking what you deserve, even eternal death, and laying that on my Son. The righteousness that my will requires, the goodness that my law demands, the love that you ought to have for me and the neighbor would have failed so miserably to give me. Those sins, those transgressions, those iniquities have been borne by my own Son. And in my mercy toward you, 
I have poured out my wrath and my justice to the full upon him. I have shed his blood for yours so that all of those transgressions are blotted out. Blotted out in my memory, blotted out in your memory. And that's God's answer every time to the prayer of the repentant sinner. The repentant sinner who pleads his mercy. And if you doubt that, consider simply the Lord's Supper here this morning and ask yourself, why is it here? Well, it's not here because God doesn't ever say that to us. God gives us that answer. God gives us that answer in our own conscience. And in case we don't hear it in our own conscience, God actually speaks it out loud to us from Sabbath day to Sabbath day. But exactly such is our sin. Exactly because we are sinners. Not only does God have to repeat that time and time again. Because we are so stubborn and so blind often to His mercy, God shows us His mercy by sign and seal. God says what maybe you will not hear or maybe what you have forgotten I will now lay before you and you can eat and drink my mercy. That's His answer to the, repair, to the prayers of you. The prayers that you have made this past week. The prayer that you have made this morning. Here is my mercy blotting out your transgressions. Amen.